Hello and welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is my interview with Neil Bernard. He is the author of The Cheese Trap. I've been making a fair few vegan cheeses now, so I thought it'd be worth resharing. Enjoy. Hey there, what's cracking? I hope you're having a great day, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Another episode here at the Hidden Why podcast. It's Lee Mutnancy with you once again, and today I'm sharing an interview, a blast from the past. Episode 411. It was my interview with Dr. Neil Bernard, where we talk about health and nutrition and how to prevent disease so we can all live a better life. It's a really important topic this time of the year, and I've been thinking about my health quite a bit. I think I've let things slip as the year has progressed, and I certainly want to get back on track. And recently, I watched a documentary called Game Changers. I might even do a little bit of a review on it soon. Um, I don't claim to be a vegan. I certainly do like a good steak. I grew up in a steak restaurant. I certainly don't push it onto people, but I like some of the ideals, and I certainly like to experiment with health as it relates to what works best for me and my family. So I've been getting creative in the kitchen. I love to cook, and I've been making some vegan cheeses. So that's what's prompted me to reshare this interview with Neil Bernard. He is the author of a book called The Cheese Trap, a great book. Check it out at thehiddenwide.com and use the links to purchase a copy. So beside from that, guys, going into 2020, I'm going to rejig things again here at The Hidden Why and change the formats that I'm releasing episodes. So there might be interviews, there might be book reviews. Not too sure, but I want to hear from you. What do you love about the show? What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? Email me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. We'll speak to you soon and enjoy this episode. Cheers. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Hidden Why podcast. Lee Martinuzzi here, and I am joined by Dr. Neil Bernard. How are you, Neil? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm excellent, mate. Uh, Whereabouts are you in this world? Uh, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking the time out to join me here on this podcast. Uh, Look forward to chatting to you um, about your new book, Cheese Trap, and all about really just health and nutrition and how we can all benefit from from your knowledge and and what you've been researching. You've uh, dedicated your life to it. So, um, I'm sure you've got a lot of information uh, that can benefit us all. So uh, looking forward to our chat. Um, firstly, Neil, tell us a little bit about your story, um, maybe just a, a brief snippet into your background. What drives you, what gives you passion, and, and what makes you jump out of bed every day? <laughs> you know, for, I have to say all the nutrition stuff I'm doing now is completely the opposite of how I was raised. I, I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, mm-hmm. which is up, up near the Canadian border. I come from a long line of cattle ranchers. and There you go. And every day of my life, it was roast beef, baked potatoes, and corn, uh-huh. except, except for special occasions when it was roast beef, baked potatoes, and peas. So suffice, suffice to say, we didn't know much about nutrition, but, but uh, foods give us huge power. They can prevent illness to a very substantial degree. They can even reverse it sometimes. So uh, my goal is to put this to work. Okay, cool. So um, you're, you're a vegan at the moment, is that right? Yes, although I have to say... Um, I don't like to say I am vegan because that makes it sound like I've got antennae coming out of my head. What I like, <laughs> I don't know how to term it either. <laughs> what I would rather say is my foods are vegan. In other words, I use that word to apply to what's on my plate rather than to me. Okay. So I say I, I ate a vegan breakfast, and in fact, everything I eat is vegan. So it just means no animal products. Okay. And and when did that? I mean, growing up from a line of cattle ranches, when did that sort of occur? That transition. Well, first step was the year before I went to medical school. I had a job in the basement of a hospital in Minneapolis where I helped out at autopsies. When people died, we would examine the body. Mm. 
And that is, well, I have to tell you, it's a real eye-opener of an experience. And one day we had a person who died in the hospital of a massive heart attack, and we pulled the ribs off the chest, and that exposed the heart. And and we saw massive atherosclerosis, which is basically, it's like concrete in the arteries. And the pathologist would say to me, you know, this is your bacon and eggs, Neil. That's what, you know. And so I kept getting these lectures over the over the dead bodies as to what, you know, how diet affected them. But on this particular day, when the pathologist left the room, um, and I had to, cl- I always had to clean up afterwards. So I put the ribs back in the chest, and I sewed up the skin, and then I went up to the cafeteria, and they were serving ribs for lunch. And I want to tell you, it smelled like a dead body, and it looked like a dead body, and I suddenly was hit by the fact it is a dead body. It's not a human body, but if you're eating the ribs of a cow or Mm. a chicken breast or something like that, you start to realize, wait a minute, is this really something I want to put in my mouth? And so I wouldn't call that necessarily an ethical or a health or a philosophical thing, but um, I couldn't eat that. It just was off-putting, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So from there, you know, I started medical school, and the more you learn, the more you realize that humans do best on what I'm going to call an herbivorous diet. And and this uh, term, herbivorous. Yeah, this foray we have made into pretending we are carnivores doesn't really work out so well. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and I'm sort of making a, a transition now, and, and certainly eating a lot more vegan foods. I still eat a bit of fish, and um, sometimes I have the occasional ice cream on the weekend. But in in progress, I'm, I'm just giving an experiment, and I always like to ask that question: why? Um, unfortunately, I'm lucky to have a mate who likes to choose vegan-style foods as well, and he's been a great influence in my my life and my health journey as well. Um, so I've, I've got him to thank for this. But um, my curiosity in this in this area is, is certainly deepened. And as you said, you know, the more information that we have, we can then make better decisions as well as it relates to living our life. And I don't just talk to people in regards to health. I talk to people in regards to all areas of life that I think are important, relationships, you know, contribution, expression, etc. Um, and health is just one of those. So I really look forward to, to finding out um, why, why, you know, vegan style foods are better for our health. Because Again, I grew up with, with, you know, not a terrible diet, but probably not a terribly good diet either. And certainly for the sense of your diet, you know, meat and potatoes and, and vegetables doesn't sound terribly bad either. And I assume a lot of people out there would think that's a perfectly normal diet. Uh, yes, uh, it's because they don't associate one thing with another. Um, cigarettes were totally sensible until eventually people started to think, maybe that's why we have lung cancer Hmm. and eating meat sounds perfectly sensible until you start to think the meat goes down the intestinal tract maybe this is part of why we have colorectal cancer and the answer is yes there is now no question about it that diet affects your risk of many kinds of cancer uh, probably the majority of cancer cases uh, there's a role for diet and especially the digestive ones like colorectal cancer. Um, Which makes so, sense, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, obviously. And so there are certain foods like bacon and sausage and ham and uh, pepperoni and all of these things that really it makes no sense to eat them ever at all. And all medical experts should agree on that. Um, if, they're, if they don't agree on it, they're just not looking at the so evidence. So that's like processed meats you're talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about what yeah what are referred to as processed meats. Okay. Um, but uh, red meat has pretty much similar kind of evidence for it. And and then when we're talking about something like chicken or turkey, 
um, they have carcinogens as well that form uh, in them. Uh, so bottom line, the more you look at it, the more we start to realize things that we thought were innocuous. And we thought that diabetes just comes maybe from a gene or something you inhaled and heart disease comes from bad luck and Alzheimer's just comes from being old. And research studies show, no, wait, 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 it has to do with what you put in your mouth. And you're not going to live forever, no matter what you do. But on the other hand, when we eat in a healthful way, we can protect ourselves. And and what is more important than that is how we help those we love. So I can take whatever risks I may want in my own life. But if I'm raising my seven-year-old daughter and I'm teaching her to like foods that will help prevent cancer and keep her healthy, then I'm, then I'm being a good dad. And, and I don't mean to speak just of me, but um, everyone is in this ca- same kind of situation. So, so to take it away from any kind of finger wagging, this is information people didn't really have yeah. and is continuing to come out, but we have it now. And so my job as a doctor is to convey that information, let people know what's going on. And, and sometimes it's surprising. You know, my new book, The Cheese Trap, is filled with things that kind of blew people away when they, <laughs> they read about it. Um, I feel your pain, but it's, uh, it's, it's been, really been interesting to get the word out. Yeah, yeah, no, look, I love it, and certainly I'm fascinated by it, and I'm open to it all as well, and, and I guess, I mean, the, the, the challenge for you is um, all those people that are closed-minded in their perspectives, and again, not to point fingers or anything like that, but, um, you know, just to be open to it, to explore the information, I think is really important for us all in life, whether you adopt, you know, a, a vegan-style diet or whatever it is, you know, um, it, it's just about being open to, to that information and exploring it yourself um, and assessing the truth. I want to approach this interview from a very layman sort of perspective because um, that works best for me and it might um, take away some of the, the edge from the, the scientific sort of research that you have available for us. But I just want to keep it as simple as, as possible. So I'm going to ask some probably simple questions. And, and the first one I want to ask is about processed meats. I mean, what, why would we look at meat um, considering all parts of our diet? You know, we've got a variety uh, of diets uh, in this world today, things that we put in our mouth and digest. Why would we look at meat as, as, a, as a problem to, to cancers, etc.? Why would we go there first, or, or maybe we didn't? And why processed meats? I mean, there's a lot of cultures that, that eat a lot of processed meats and seem to be quite healthy, um, depending on what other combinations of lifestyles they have. Okay. Um, it started out with just observations. Yeah. Uh, people who eat meat have cancer. They have uh, more cancer than other people. Now, this doesn't mean that every meat eater gets cancer, uh, that they don't any more than every smoker gets cancer. Most smokers don't get cancer. But so many do that the the patterns started to become obvious. And uh, in a country like the United States, we have 50,000 people die of colorectal cancer every year. And and people started to connect the dots. And it became really obvious that the people who are not eating certain foods tended not to get it. So if, if a person does not eat bacon, sausage, ham, hot dogs, um, those kinds of things, their risk is, was much lower. Right. So um, you do a, one study and another study and another study, you look at different age groups, and pretty soon the pattern becomes just so convincing that there's really no question about it. And that's a really um, good point because, sorry, just, I'm going to interrupt. But, yeah, please. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people in their in their fifties or sixties, and I have, I have people that I know that would say, "Oh no, I've been absolutely fine eating, you know, bacon my life, and blah blah blah. Everything has been in moderation, and I'm I'm absolutely healthy." Um, but again, maybe they're just not one of the people that have been affected by that that sort of diet or that food. 
Uh, or not affected yet. Not affected uh, yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't say that in a frivolous way. Half half of men get cancer. Um, so you might get lucky. About a third of women get cancer. Yeah. Uh, and it, it would not be that way if people followed a vegan diet uh, where they ate no animal products at all. Um, so there are a lot of things you can do to give yourself cancer. Smoking is a great way to get respiratory cancers. And because the carcinogens are excreted, um, through the kidneys and into the urine, you're going to increase your risk of bladder cancer too. Mm. Uh, so the things go down your digestive tract, they're going to increase the risk of digestive cancers and also hormone, hormonal cancers like prostate cancer, for example, uterine cancer. Um, because these foods that we eat affect our hormone function. Mm. So there are ways you can give yourself a higher risk of cancer and, um, cancer is not fun. Um, when I was in high school many years ago, I'm talking about the late 1960s. Yeah. I, I had a friend named Ira who smoked cigarettes. He was maybe 17. Mm -hmm. And I remember Ira telling me this, this was late 1960s. He said, yeah, by the time I get cancer, there's going to be a cure. Well, I got news for you, Ira. That was 50 years ago. And lung cancer today is just as bad as it was back then. So, um, we, we don't want to go there. So it's a, it's a good idea to prevent these things. But also just things that people... I still wonder not... about that question because that question comes up often is, you know, they're going to have stuff that will protect me or, or more commonly, I've got to die of something. Uh, you do have to die of something, but why don't you die in the Monaco Grand Prix, you know, racing it, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour or doing something you love. Um, the, the way most people die is very different. Meat eaters start to die when they're... 30. By that, by, the, by by that I mean hmm. we're gaining weight. We're, we're, I, I, what I mean is our health is starting to erode. We're gaining weight. Yeah. Our, our energy is not so good. Our digestion isn't so good. People are getting hemorrhoids and varicose veins and things. And they don't recognize that this relates to food. Um, and they start to be on medications. Their blood pressure is not so good. And then the heart attacks start maybe in the 40s and 50s. And we think, well, that's just genes, isn't it? And the doctor says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it couldn't be your food. It's got to be your genetics. And we, we get in this complicit dishonesty about what it's all about. And by the time you're in your 60s, most people are on medications. When you should be feeling good and having lots of energy, people are really slowing down. And then you start seeing friends in the obituaries. Um, and uh, instead of that, that you want a, a life where you're growing and doing great. And you have a pretty much, you know, you just don't decline. And then maybe in the late 80s or 90s or 100s or whatever, then you are going to run out of gas at some point and you're going to have various organ failure, but your death will hopefully be relatively quick. And, and as I say, I'm going to die in a flaming inferno in the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And um, yeah, I, I certainly couldn't agree more. Like why, why die in a slow, sort of painful manner? And if, if that is from your 30s, and, and look, this is part of the reason why I like to interview people like yourself is because it's important to me. You know, and I've really... Um, given my body a good run for the, for the first 30 years of my life and, and I've, I've thankfully realized that and had people around me to support me in that um, to where now I'm really wanting to, to drive my health plus I've got two daughters um, that I want to be that role model for as, as you said before so um, I, th I think it's really an important point to make as, as far as um, meats but like you know look at processed meats and, and the Italians I would suggest have been eating processed meats for, for eons and again I don't know but why why is it is it okay for them to do it? I mean, do they, they seem to have a, a long life in certain parts of the country as well? 
they have colorectal cancer just like we do. The yeah. people who tend to it, the people who it's a dose related phenomenon. It's just like smoking. Um, you know, the old idea of I'm sitting in a bistro in Rome and I'm smoking my cigar and I'm eating my aged cheese and I might be eating some salami or something like that. And we think nothing's going to hurt me. People die in Italy just like they die in France, just like in other places if they eat these foods. So the risk d does not depend on whether you're in a romantic location or not. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good discernment. Um, is, is meat altogether absolutely in, in, in research, etc., in scientific sort of bingo, is, it, is meat just outruled? It's, it's just not something that the body can handle? Or is it, uh, can we digest little portions of meat here and there? Because, I mean, again, that's an argument that I'd hear often is that, you know, the, our ancestors ate meat. They'd go out and hunt and eat some meat and, you know, perhaps be without it for a few weeks, but they'd eat a meat, bit of meat here and there um, when they needed to. Um, okay, you've raised a number of really important points. Um, I don't want people to... Um, get too far ahead of themselves, um, maybe it's useful to just start with what kind of risks are we really talking about. Yeah. Um, so, so far we've talked about digestive cancers and that's a real thing because um, when you see what happens to a person who has that fate, um, you really don't want it. But um, the, the one that obviously is maybe a little bit more familiar to people would be something like heart disease yeah. where a meat eater compared to a person who doesn't eat animal products at all is clearly at higher risk of heart disease and that's because animal products have saturated fat which raises your cholesterol. They also have cholesterol itself and the cholesterol particles irritate the artery walls and cause little bumps to form that can rupture and cause cl a big clot to form in your artery and suddenly you got a heart attack. And that clearly is linked to having more meat and animal products in general. Um, Alzheimer's disease has recently been linked to the saturated fat that we were describing, which is well, dairy is the biggest source, but meat is second. Yeah. And people who avoid that bad fat are at much lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. So there, there are many other diseases I could talk about, but um, but those are a few. Yeah. And then you and then you say, well, okay, what about moderation? Can I just have a little bit? Yeah. And the answer is, you can do anything you want to, and and the less you know, if if you reduce the amount you're having, that's that's a good move. Hmm. Um, however, um, where we really see the benefits, it's like when a smoker cuts down, that's that's a good move. But when they quit, they're just in a completely different class. Um, and so when a meat eater cuts down, usually they do, they're, they're slimmer, their risk of diabetes falls, their risk of cancer falls. But the ones who quit completely, it's just a whole other thing. Um, their Their health is often dramatically better, plus the temptation factor just kind of goes away. And so if a smoker hasn't had a cigarette for a year, they're not thinking about it. If no, you're having a point, the tempta temptation it, factor, yeah. If you're having bacon two or three times a week, you think about it. It's in your refrigerator, it tempts you, it brings you back, you're a bad example for your family. If you just haven't had it, and if you've been if you figured out the vegan versions or whatever, you discover that your 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 thinking just gets in a much better track. Um, I've never had vegan bacon. Is it any good? Different ones are different. Some of them are a liberal interpretation of the original. Um, the vegan sausages are almost indistinguishable. Indistinguishable. The the vegan bacon's well, uh, try different ones. But I have to say, even though they're not exactly the same, after you've had them for a week or so, you will find it surprising that anybody ever wanted to hang up a pig by the leg and bleed them out and eat their 
butt basic butt muscles basically. Um, you'll wonder why anybody bothered with that. Okay. So, yeah, and, and you raise a few good points about balance there, and certainly. For me, I'm, I'm one of those people that struggle with the balance because of the temptation thing, so it's best if I just cut things out altogether. Um, for certain things, so other things I've got really good discipline about and a little bit of balance is good. And right now, as I mentioned to you previously, that I am um, you know, eating more vegan foods. Um, but on the weekend, I live in Japan and, and our family outing is sushi. So we go to a sushi restaurant and I just eat sushi, um, which is my, my bit of fish on the weekend. Plus, I still really enjoy ice creams, which I haven't broken yet, but... I've started to feel, because I've done this for about two months now, is that by taking these things away, I just I love the clean feeling, first of all, and the energy. Everything seems to be just greater in my life so far. Um, and I've noticed that you know, having some ice cream on a Saturday night, the feelings that I feel on Sunday morning, um, no alcohol, nothing else, um, very clean, is, is just very noticeable um, to the point where I've just said to myself, I just can't do it anymore because I've woken up feeling um, that bit more ill. and. Previously, like you look a couple of years ago, I could have spent a night drinking alcohol, eating ice cream, eating all the meat in the world and woken up sort of feeling normal, not, not feeling, noticing these, these minor little changes in diet so dramatically. Um, have you tried the vegan ice cream? I've had some soy milk ice cream, which was fantastic. I just can't find it anywhere here. Uh, so I'm looking for it. Oh, okay. Well, when we're done, I'm going to send you a package. And we're gonna, <laughs> there are, I'm, I'm sorry to, to hear you having trouble. Here it is absolutely <laughs> ever. It's, it's, it's taken over the market. Right. Uh, what is it? A soy, soy based ice cream? Oh, there's all kinds of them. We got soy based, rice based, almond. You know, we have, well, there's, there's almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, oat milk, hemp milk. Yeah. And each one of these is then turned into ice creams. And I, you don't need them. Don't get me wrong. And, and some people might call it junk food. I mean, it's, it's just there for entertainment purposes, really. But, for so many people, when they get away from dairy, they just feel dramatically better. I mean, yeah. uh, and that's a whole other other topic. You know, as we know, dairy products, they not only have fat, they have cholesterol, they have hormones. Yeah. They have a lot of things you don't want. So uh, getting to the almond milk versions or the soy milk versions is a good move. Okay, well, let's, I want to get to your, your book, Cheese Trap, but I just want to go back to, you know, the, the idea of processed foods as well. And for me... Um, you know, the more raw and natural that the food can be seems to be better. And that's just, you know, in my experimentations, seems to be when I feel the best. What, I mean, what are we risking, like, with all these processed sort of not meat meats like bacon or sausages or, um, you know, processed soy ice creams, etc.? I mean, is this all going to be negative for us in the long run as well? And I guess time will tell, but um, I know they're, they're producing, um, you know, sort of fake meat, if you will, as well. And even meat in a lab now um, and I don't know if that's any good what are your thoughts on all this sort of processed technology what technology can do um, well processed means different things uh, sometimes it means ground up yeah so a ground up soybean or a ground up almond is not gonna hurt you and so if I make it into a, a patty or something like that if I grow if I take some beans and some rice and I mix them up with my in my mixing bowl and yeah. I make a burger out of it and if you eat that instead of the one that came from animal muscle yeah. that is a great move yeah. um, secondly studies have actually looked at soy milk in particular and uh, well soy products soy uh, milk tofu and others because some people have had the idea that they might uh, cause cancer and the opposite turns out to be true hmm. that people who consume the most soy products uh, for women 
they have about a 30% reduction in their risk of breast cancer. And women who have had cancer in the past, those who consume the most soy have about a 30% reduction in dying of their cancer. So soy is helpful. And I, I, I do think that the less processing, the better. Yeah. So if it's um, edamame, which is just steamed soybeans in, in the pod, great uh, tofu soy milk. W- once you're adding a lot of stuff to it, um, you do think, well, maybe I don't need all that salt. Yeah. But even, even at its most processed, it is far healthier than the meat version of these because there, there are hormones in, in dairy products. There's hormones in meat. It's, it's not there in the, the soy. Okay. Um, there's no cholesterol. There's, there's no animal fat in the soy. So you're going you're gonna to be better off. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. And one of the sweets that I eat here in Japan is, is what they call mochi, which you're probably familiar with, which is a ground rice. And they've got a sort of sweet bean, red bean in the middle. Uh, a lot of yes. people don't like it, but I just love it. And I know it's got some sugar in it, um, but it's really my, my good excuse dessert. And I think we're, we're beings of pleasure. So, you know, that's, that's probably the thing that we struggle with the most is just cutting out those things that we actually do, that do bring us joy. Not about, you know, over-consuming, which um, they have a tendency to make us do as well, but just really having that, that moment where we can just enjoy that ice cream or something like that. Um, yeah, and you can have the healthier versions of it. And um, by the way, sugar is not poison. Um, it's you, you don't want to overdo it. We don't want to go crazy. But sugar is actually the fuel that your brain runs on your, and your muscles run on sugar. Yeah. So, for example, if you eat a banana, the natural fruit sugars come out. They go into your blood. They power your movements. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you eat uh, pasta or rice or potatoes, the glucose that's in those comes out and it powers your brain. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Um, so where we run into trouble sometimes is with things like soda where there's a lot a lot more sugar than you can use and it's hidden because you, you can't really see it. Okay, so what, what is the, I mean, let's go there for a second. What is the, the sugars that we should be avoiding? Obviously sodas and, I mean, I hear refined sugars is, is the, the ones that you know aren't good for us, but how do we navigate our way through that landscape as well? Um, well, I think we have to remember that, that your body runs on sugar and having a little bit of sugar is not such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, where I think we run into trouble and it's when we have large amounts of, of just added sugar to things. But even then, I think it's very hard to make the case that that's somehow worse for us than having a bacon omelet or something like that where you're getting a boatload of fat and cholesterol. Okay. Okay. Cool. So let's talk about uh, cheese trap. What, what made you write this book? That's my first question. Yeah. Um, we were doing research studies here, and people would start vegan diets, and they would do great. Their diabetes would go away. They would lose weight. They'd feel fantastic. And I found a lot of people would say to me, it's true. My diabetes is gone. My cholesterol is better than it's ever been. But I, but I have to say, I, I miss cheese. I kept hearing this over and over again. They would say, it wasn't ice cream. It wasn't milk. It was specifically cheese. And I thought, what's that about? You know, it smells like old socks. Why do people get hooked on this stuff? So, <laughs> it certainly does. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I looked into it, and it's a fascinating story. And I'm going to argue three things. First of all, cheese is fattening. Uh-huh. Secondly, I'm going to say it's addicting. And third, I am going to say it has a number of health issues that are surprising to people. So if you're wondering where your migraines and sore joints are coming from, um, we might have found the answer. And I wouldn't have called it the cheese trap if I didn't have a way for you to get out of it. So um, 
Drina Burton and I worked on, well, I'm going to give her all the credit. Uh, in working on this book, she is the one who came up with a fabulous recipe. So you, I, I can make you the greatest cheesecake in the world with no cheese in it. Yeah, wow. Um, and that's what I really am fascinated by. And again, I mean, I like a bit of cheese on pizza. Again, I don't think it's the thing that I struggle with the most. To be honest, I, I really enjoy that ice cream. So that's probably my my battle. But um, yeah, really cool. So let's talk about the, the first question that pops to my mind is why is cheese addictive? I mean, what is that all about? I mean, isn't anything addictive? Because if it makes us feel good, we, we want to crave and we crave more? Uh, no. Um, it's a hot summer day and you might like a, a crisp apple. But have you ever eaten six apples? No. Um, <laughs> did you ever feel like you're craving an apple? You had it yesterday, um, and uh, I just have to have one, and I feel really terrible because I'm not having it. Uh. -uh. Um, and uh, a smoker uh, needs a cigarette to just feel normal, and they know they're hooked on it, and they hide it, and so forth. So no, no some things are addictive like tobacco, alcohol. Yep. Uh, I'm going to put cheese in that category, but um, but m most foods are not addictive. So you might like a strawberry or a banana or whatever, but you're never going to crave them. You're never going to rob a store in order to feed your you know your strawberry habit. Um, <laughs> and there, there are really three reasons why cheese is this way. And by the way, um, the, the reason we know this is that people will report it. I mean, they'll just say, I couldn't live without it. I feel great. I, I have to have it. Um, if that's not you, then maybe you're not addicted to it. Um, but there are three explanations for it. Um, the first is that it's salty. Uh, there's a lot of salt used. There's more salt in cheese ounce or gram per gram than there is in, say, potato crisps. Right. Um, yeah, there is. Uh, secondly, it's fatty. And when, when you mix the fat and the salt together, you have like uh, French fries, chips, um, onion rings, People love that salty, fatty taste. But the big thing here is there are actually opiate chemicals in the cheese itself, and they were made by the cow. Mm. Um, in, as you digest the dairy protein, which is called casein, C-A-S-E-I-N, opiates that are coated into it come out. And they go to your brain, and they attach to the very same receptor that heroin would attach to. They're not as strong. The strongest of them has about one-tenth the brain binding power compared with pure pharmacy-grade morphine. So it's not enough to get you arrested, but it's just enough to make you think, I really enjoyed that. Mm. And so people have it again and again, and they might gain weight, but they argue and say, I think I should be having cheese in my life. And they come with all kinds of rationalizations about it. So. I'll exercise more cut-out sugars, but cheese is something I've got to keep. Well, sugar, sugar is similar. Sugar does not have any opiates in it, yeah. unlike, unlike cheese. But sugar does trigger the release of opiates in the brain. Right. Um, and so... Um, I think that sugar addiction is a real thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, certainly in, in the experimentation myself is, you know, cutting our dairy or reducing dairy has, I've, I've noticed the, the changes. And again, I've only noticed that most of these changes when I've got into a lot better health, when I've sort of been derailing my body, uh, you know, in those, those situations, I didn't notice these minor changes. But now if I, you know, go a week without something, I can, I can feel the changes. And I think... Um, that's something important for me to, to mention to the, the audience listening um, is, is how much you can notice changes um, the, the healthier sort of you become um, because I think the body sort of becomes tolerant to, to how you poison it. That's true. Um, 
people sometimes don't realize that they, they have never been quite normal. And suddenly when they get on a healthy diet, their digestion gets back, their sleep gets back, their skin looks better. And they think, wow, why didn't I do this a long time ago? But there's another piece of it. There are um, elite athletes who use a vegan diet, a, a completely plant-based diet, um, because they need the competitive edge. Um, or to put it the other way, there are some people who would be top athletes, but they're holding themselves back. Um, and the way to look at it is, let's say I'm playing tennis. And the match has been going on for 90 minutes now, and suddenly I start to realize that my energy is no good. Well, could it be that the cheese sandwich I ate for lunch, the fat molecules got into my blood, they made my blood more viscous, more thick. So my blood is not like water anymore, it's more like oil, so it doesn't oxygenate my muscles so well anymore, and I'm, I'm getting fatigued sooner. Mm -hmm. and, and if I always trained that way, I thought, well, this is just me, I just kind of run out of gas. When people go to a cleaner diet, they discover their energy is better. So the, when you look at, especially the endurance sports, there are lots and lots of people doing a completely vegan diet because yeah. uh, they, don't, they don't want the inflammation, they don't want the, the, to, to cut their performance. Mm, okay. I mean, it's not a guarantee. I, I'm not saying you're gonna be at the top of the tennis world, um, but um, you would be surprised at, at, people, at, at the effects that it has for people, they really feel it. Yeah, well, I did a, a research recently just on, on some of the athletes that um, you know adopt their vegan style uh, lifestyle, uh, and it's phenomenal. There's, there's many of them out there um, doing it, and um, you know they're, they're really amazing performers. So uh, perhaps there's there's some some sort of evidence in that alone. Um, going back to the cheese um, or the the you know dairy product has the opiate in it. Um, that was quite surprising when I heard that. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Why is that the case? Why is this opium in dairy? Why did Mother Nature pack it in there? Um, yeah. I, our our best guess is that it's part of the mother-infant bond. That um, the baby, if you look, if a calf yeah. did not want to nurse, the calf said, Mom, I'm going to go in the forest. I'll come back Thursday. That calf is not going to do very well. Yeah. And if you ever looked at a human baby, they have this look of tremendous intensity as they're nursing and then afterwards they collapse asleep and obviously they've had a stomach full of um, casomorphins. So although we think it's the beauty of the mother-infant bond, I hate to tell you, you just drugged the kid. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So for, for the reason of survival, that's, that's why it's in there. Um, yeah, wow. And, and then that also might explain why cheese is more addicting than milk, for example, because um, the opiates are the opiates are in the milk protein, but when you you concentrate the protein when you make cheese, and so you're getting cheese is sort of like dairy crack. Right. Okay. So interesting. I mean, there's 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 so much to your research, and again, I wanted to keep it as simple as possible. Um, certainly, we've touched on you know meats, sugars, and and dairy. Um, and by the sounds of it, you would suggest that for a first step would be dairy. Is that where we'd, we'd start first for anyone looking for health? Or would you just say go all in and, and cut it all? Well, um, first of all, uh, uh, there's a way that we do this in our clinic that works really, really well. And I have to say it's not really hard to do. It's The change I'm going to describe is much easier than quitting smoking, for example. Okay. Uh, uh, people are worried about it because they think to be vegan means you have to like folk music. Um, or uh, maybe you have to wear tie-dyed clothes, and I'm happy to tell you that you can detest folk music and never wear anything tie-dyed, and you can still be healthy. Um, so here's how we do it. Um, uh, for, well, 
step one is to understand how foods affect you because you have to you have to want to change. Um, just in the same way as a person has to want to quit smoking or whatever it is. But for most people, they can get there pretty easily. And in the cheese trap, we do describe how hormonal conditions and weight problems and so forth tend to get better. Yeah. Um, then what I do is I ask people to take a week. And during this week, you're not getting rid of anything. You're not taking anything out of your diet. But what you are doing is you're trying vegan foods. So for breakfast, uh, I haven't had porridge, oats in a long time. Let me cook that up and see how it is. Uh, I haven't had a veggie sausage ever. Let me try that. Uh, for lunch, um, uh, let me try you know a, a spaghetti that doesn't have uh, a meat sauce. Maybe it's got a tomato sauce. Or I'll try a cheeseless pizza or whatever. So all I'm doing for the first seven days is trying the alternatives. Yep. And writing down the things that work for me for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And in seven days, you're going to have lots of them. So then step two is once you've got your list of foods you like, now you take three weeks and eat the foods that you identified. So you already know you like them, so it's pretty easy. But three weeks, no animal products at all, completely vegan, but eat the foods that you've figured out that you enjoy. After three weeks, two things happen. The first is you're, you're healthier. You're losing weight. Your cholesterol is better. Your blood sugar is getting better. Your, uh, your digestion is sorting itself out and everything else. But the second thing is you discover that your tastes are different, that you're starting to like healthier foods and the unhealthy things are just, have le they've lost their appeal. And it's a really kind of neat way to, to go. Mm. So short term, just give it a try. See how the, see uh, the benefits that you might get. Yeah, so I like that, um, uh, the, the process overall. And, and to start with that first step of just really understanding how food affects you and, and doing your own research, finding out your own information, because that really gives you the motivation to, to give it a go. And again, you know, for me, interviewing you today um, or, or reading you know, books on, on health, that has given me the, the strength to really continue, <clears throat> excuse me, to continue along that, that process and the, my own journey. Um, and I, I don't think it would come from anyone else saying, Lee, you need to you know, try a vegan diet because you'll be better off for it. It had to come from, from me starting it. And I think that's an important part of the process. Uh, no matter what change that we, we desire in life, it has to come from some sort of internal desire, right? Sometimes people react to a person like me who writes books on health. <laughs> they, they sometimes hearken back to memories of their mother trying to give them helpful advice. And so they get resentful. Yeah. And I have to remind them that I'm actually not their parent. I'm not even related to them at all. I'm a doctor who's found certain things and, and I want to share them with them. And um, when they can put this to use on their own terms, they benefit. And last night I uh, was at an event signing copies of the cheese trap at a bookstore and a man came up to me in tears. He said, you've never met me, but you saved my life. Um, he was massively obese about six months ago. Right. With diabetes, he was put on insulin injections and he said, I need to get off this. And he, he, he read about what we'd written about diabetes and he got off his insulin, he's lost Oh, an enormous, he looks healthy now. He is, his energy is fantastic. And he said, I just didn't believe this was possible and you made this possible. So, so in other words, for people who, who get into this kind of adolescent rebelliousness, that's, you know, you let that go. Um, is, this is just between you and the foods that you choose and seeing what kind of fuel you want to put in your tank and mm -hmm. see if your engine can burn better. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's your life. You've got to make that choice. And I think you sort of said that as well. Um, I love the process of, you know, trying things out, you know, being experimental with it and then looking for those things that you do enjoy because, I mean, again, enjoying the process is, is what keeps us the motivation to give, give it going. And if, if we feel like we're sacrificing or missing out on that, that enjoyment, um, we're likely to, to not continue with it. Um, and I think that's a part of the struggle as well. So your process sort of aligns, aligns with that as well, that need, uh, I believe. So that's, that's really cool. Um, so, yeah, people can get started with this, give it a little bit of a go. Um, there's a lot of trends out there at the moment, Neil, um, that seem to be consuming a lot of people. Um, one, and, and I've, I've given all sorts of, you know, diets a go, I suppose. I've, I've sort of dabbled with this and that. And paleo, you know, seems to be a big thing at the moment. People talk about, you know, an all-paleo diet, um, which, you know, the, the information that's out there makes sort of sense at a surface level um, without going too deep into it. And I don't think people generally go too deep into it. They take it as a surface level and then give it a go and think it's, it's gonna be the, the best thing in the world. Um, and the other one is, is you know, all these quick meal replacements, so shakes or bars or whatever you call it. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about both of these sort of trends that seem to be out there and, and perhaps what we should be doing to question ourselves further to whether they're, they're good or not? Yeah, well, the, the paleo diet, you know, you can see uh, some value to it in the sense that we're going to go back in time toward maybe what we're healthy, a bit healthier. Um, however, um, I think it's a little bit artificial and even a little romantic because the paleo period is the, the, the theory is, okay, um, I'm not going to eat uh, anything that requires agriculture. So I'm going to stop uh, my uh, little uh, calendar when people learned how to put a seed in the ground and make things grow. Um, but they are going to start after the Stone Age when people were gained the capacity to, to eat meat. So we've got hatchets and arrowheads and things. So it's this sort of romantic caveman period of time where we imagine ourselves to be mighty warriors with spears who are going to kill an antelope, um, but we're not going to be a farmer who grows beans and vegetables and things like that. Um, now, to its credit, um, the paleo diet eliminates dairy products, um, so don't have those, um, and you're not going to have a lot of sugary things because uh, they hadn't discovered those back then. Um, and so that's a good switch. But on the other hand, it's the idea that, that people at that time were eating a lot of meat um, is a, a romantic fantasy because eating meat is a challenge. Uh, to be a successful hunter is not so easy, and the hunter-gatherers are mostly gatherer they're gatherers, really, and once in a while, once in a while they, they get some meat. But more to the point, if you go further and back in time, we're not carnivores. We're great apes, like a chimpanzee or a gorilla or an orangutan or a bonobo. We are primates. We are, in the, we, we are great apes, and great apes are herbivores with very few exceptions. Um, and so if you... Th really look at the foods that are most helpful for us it's plant-based foods okay and what about um and again i talked about you know uh, meal replacements as well but what about um location because i know a lot of people say you know it depends on where you sort of um your, your genetics or your history comes from and and they certainly talk about you know places up north that might um, rely on a lot of um, stored fish products or preserved fish and things like that or, or where there's not an abundance of, of plants um, to, to consume. It's only because they have no choice. Yeah. Um, if, if you can't, if you, if you can't, 
if you were at the extreme north and you could get some broccoli and some sweet potatoes and things like that, you would be a healthier person. Yeah. But the fact that those things don't grow means it's either got to be imported or you're not eating it at all. And the health uh, in those regions is is not good. Um, we we all came from uh, presumably equatorial Africa hmm. or somewhere somewhere nearby there. And because humans are so restless, we find reasons to go other places. Yeah. Um, but uh, the foods that we would consume are not that much different from the foods that other great apes would have consumed naturally. Yeah, and I thought you might say that it's sort of based on that need factor, and if it wasn't available, you'd find what was um, and use that as a replacement. Very cool stuff. Look, there's a lot in this, Neil, and, and I do appreciate your time. I want to run into a couple of final questions just to wrap things up here. I ask all guests these questions. And the first one I'd like to ask you is what sort of routines or rituals do you have in your life that you believe contribute to your success? Well, to the extent that I have any success... Um, <laughs> well, you've got a, you, you're in a band as well, aren't you? I am. Have you heard Gar Carbon Works Music? I have, and I, I actually just listened to you speak on the Rich Roll podcast, and he played your song, and I thought, oh, that's amazing. Like, what, what, a, what an interesting life you lead. Well, well, thank, thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, the band is called Carbon Works, as in we are all carbon and these are our works. Oh. And it, it's a funny thing. I, uh, when I was a little kid, I was sort of chained to the piano and the cello because my parents thought that any civilized person had to have an appreciation for the arts. And uh, I kept it up. And when I was in medical school and residency, I, I, I was a good student and I worked hard during the day. But at night, I had musical groups and we played out a lot. And and Carbon Works is my third third record, and as, I'll tell you a funny thing. Uh, we have a song called Louder Than Words that this week is number 14 um, on the radio list here in America. So it's uh, not something I intended to do, but it's, I'm glad that people are enjoying it. And if you go to uh, YouTube and uh, or Pandora or any of these places and you listen, look for Carbon Works, you'll find it. Yeah, I'll stick so. it in the, um, the links, guys, to so check it out. I actually heard it, Neil, because um, I heard it then, and then I heard it somewhere, I think it was on like a Japanese commercial or something. I heard it in the background. I don't know if that was true or not because I just heard it and it sounded like it. But um, yeah, maybe there. It's, uh, it's spread. <laughs> so. I, love, I, love, I love it. It's, it's really very nice. Um, but other, otherwise, you know, um, like, like everybody, I did all kinds of bad things when I was an adolescent and risky things. But uh, as I've grown, I tried to break some bad habits. I, I did quit smoking. I stopped eating animal products. That's a good thing. Um, I try to exercise regularly. So for me, exercise means about a 30-minute run um, about three times a week. Um, one thing that helps me a lot personally is to go to sleep. doesn't matter how good your book is, 10 o'clock, turn off the lights, and you've got so much better energy the next day. Um, there are times where projects make me get up extra early, but those are good things to do. Do have some fun. For me, that means getting together with my musician friends, and, um, and I find that helps a lot. Cool. So what time do you wake up in the day? Oh, I'll tell you. It could be around 5.30, something like that. Okay. Pretty, com pretty common. Cool. What, is, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, great question. Um, I think it's important. Other people will say the same. Think big. Um, don't be afraid of anybody or anything. Um, and don't chase money. Uh, there are so many people who are worried about money. You want, you need enough money to, to cover your a place to live and things like that. But, but there are so many things wrong with this world, and our life is so short. 
let's focus on fixing those things. So whether we're making this a world better place for humans or for animals or protecting the environment, focus on those things so that the legacy we live, leave to the next generation is something that we're proud of. So if we are, we're not going to live forever and there, there are always going to be problems, but if we tackle them in the best way we can, I think that's what life's all about. Really, really important. I love that message. What is your meaning of success? Um, reducing the suffering that others go through. Okay. And what, do you have a productivity piece of advice that you'd like to share? Something that makes you more effective? Hmm. Uh, don't put anything in your body that doesn't belong there. And I have to say that includes for me, um, caffeine, um, and alcohol and things like that. Now this is for extra credit. If you're not yet vegan, start there and have all the coffee you want to. But I have to say, I personally find that the usual kind of stimulants that other people have, like caffeine or energy drinks, they're not as good for me as just my basic get out of bed in the morning brain. So I, I don't go with any of that stuff. Oh, interesting. And what advice would you give someone looking to make change in any aspect of their life? First step. Take, take three weeks, go vegan, see how you do. All right, cool. Favorite food? I've got a bunch of them, but I'll give you two. Um, if I'm looking for something hearty, I love a big bean burrito, which is um, like beans wrapped up with jalapeno peppers yep. um, in a burrito with a nice red sauce on top. Um, or if I'm looking for something lighter, it would be vegan sushi and miso soup. Yeah, cool. Uh, favorite leisure activity? Uh, playing my Les Paul. Playing your what, that's that's, uh, that's my guitar. My guitar is it's called a Les Paul, L-E-S-P-A-U-L. It's a he was a great guitarist and he invented this. He was like a pioneer in the world of right. Of a, yeah, with a, you. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, we got you. Cool, I like it. And have you got a favorite book or a book you've read recently that you'd like to recommend? Well, I have to recommend that you read The Cheese Chap. If you haven't read that, that's really where you got to go. But let me say a shout out to my friend. There's a guy named Michael Greger. Michael Greger is a doctor who wrote a, a book with the world's greatest title. It's called How Not to Die. And it's just really good advice on how to tackle the things that kill us prematurely. So his name is Gregor. G-R-E-G-E-R. Gregor. Michael Gregor. I'll stick him in the show notes, guys. He's, um, yeah, I've, I've listened to some of his, his presentations. and um, yeah. Oh, he's very, very clever. He's, he's smart. He's always right. And he's funny as can be. Yeah, I, actually, I like both of your approaches to it. You, you sort of spread, you, you share the message in a way that makes sense. It's easy to make sense, which I think is really important um, about making, you know, allowing people to make the change, um, which is really, you know, credit to you uh, and Michael as well. What do you have a favorite quote? I do. Um, there, I, I might get the context slightly wrong, but at the end of World War One, and so many people had been killed, and there was so little hope for solving conflicts in a better way, that people started to develop the League of Nations, and that ultimately then led to the efforts to have a, an effective United Nations. Um, and at the time that the League of Nations was being formed, some people said. Are, are you optimistic? You know, given human nature, is this going to work? And one of the framers of the League of Nations said, I'm not optimistic. I'm not pessimistic. I am determined. And I thought that's a good way to, to think. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. Do you believe we all have a why? That we all have a... A why, a purpose? No, I don't believe I don't believe life has a purpose. 
and I, I know that some people who come from a religious back, background will not share that view. Um, I hate to say it, I, my belief is that our DNA propels us forward uh, to try to reproduce itself and is as aggressive and competitive as it needs to be to advance itself and that sometimes pushes us to do things that are regrettable. Um, given that fact, I think that we have to try to tame some of our um, things that DNA, our DNA is trying to force us to do and to undo some of the suffering that people inflict on others. And um, for me, that's the purpose that I've adopted. Wow, that's cool. I like it. And what does living life with passion and purpose mean to you? It means taking this little wink of time that we have and trying to be as effective as I can and as kind as I can, um, but not to back away from the challenges that we face, but to confront them, take them in hand, and, and be as helpful as I can be. So, mate, thank you very much, Neil, for coming on the show. How can people best reach out to you and find out more about what you're doing? Uh, our website is pcrm.org. That stands for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, pcrm.org. Um, yep. I'm, I'm on Facebook and all those things under my own name, Neil Barnard. Yep. And my band is Carbon Works, and you'll see them at carbonworksmusic.com. Awesome stuff, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Guys, I'll stick all the links in the show notes, plus his book, Cheese Trap. Um, I'll stick the, the link to his uh, carbon works as well. I'll put the YouTube video in there or something like that. Um, so check it out at thehiddenwide.com. And Neil, again, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been a pleasure and I'm glad you could share. Likewise, you're a great host. Thank you for letting me share this time with you. Thanks very much. Guys, check it all out, thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden white this is the hidden white my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon